Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you How to overcome sin by the grace of Christ. Amen. How to overcome sin. Last Sunday, I tried to establish the fact that grace does not encourage sin, but grace rather teaches you a better way to overcome sin, far more than the law does. The law has no power to help you overcome sin. The law only tells you what is wrong, but it doesn't teach you how to stop doing what is wrong. Amen? And it's very important. So I am not against people who preach holiness, except that they are not showing people the way to become holy. They are only telling people to be holy. And the frustration in the Pentecostal and Charismatic Church today is because we have a bunch of people who have been told severally to do something they don't know how to do it. They've been taught to stop sinning and they don't know how to stop sinning. Amen. I want us to read our introductory scripture. Um, by now, there are some scriptures that you should be able to quote um, by heart. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Somebody say amen to that. That means that you need grace. Somebody say, I need grace. If, if you don't need it, the scripture will not say it should be with you all. Amen. All right. Now, what is sin? Isn't it a good question? What is sin? 1 John 3 verse 4 defines sin under the law. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Breaking the law. Somebody say the law. Okay. So sin is breaking what? The law. And every time you see this word law in the Bible, 90% of the time is referring to the laws God gave Moses for the Israelites. And the laws God gave Moses for the Israelites started with the Ten Commandments. But they are not only ten. They are 613. So I will give you an assignment. Try and read them. You'll find them from Exodus 20 all the way to Leviticus. All the 613 laws, you can find them. Exodus 20 to Leviticus. In December, one of the things I want to show you is that in Genesis, you won't find a law. Hello? Yeah. But you will see God blessing people. All the people you will hear about, fathers of faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, there was no law. In Egypt, under Moses, there was no law. Amen? When God delivered Israel from Pharaoh, there was no law. When they journeyed and crossed the Red Sea, there was no law. The bitter water became sweet, there was no law. When manna came, fell from heaven for them to eat, there was no law at that time. When God brought out water from the rock the first time, there was no law. The second time, there was law. Hello? <laughs> and you know what happened the second time? Because uh, you, Moses, you are not going to enter the promised land. Amen. So what is sin? Sin, the old King James Version, it says, is a transgression of the law. It's the same thing. Lawlessness. Amen. It says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Breaking the law. Hallelujah. So I want to say that under the law, sin had a definition. And that's what we are seeing. But when Christ came, according to 
John's scripture that we always read, it says what? The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, isn't it? I need that scripture to help me establish that point. John 1 verse 14. It says, and the word, let's read it together, everybody. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son of the father, full of what? Grace and, and truth. So he's talking about Jesus, amen? Verse 15 says, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. All right. And of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We did not receive the law from Christ. Amen. We received grace. Verse 17, he said, For the law was given through Moses, but Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus came, he did not bring the law. Amen. The law was already here before he came. Then when he came, he said, I did not come to break the law. Hallelujah. Because that is what the Pharisees were saying. They were saying Jesus was always breaking the law. He said, I did not come to break the law, but I came to do what? To fulfill it. Amen. I came to fulfill it. So under the law... Sin is defined as what? Lawlessness. Breaking the law. But when Jesus came, he gave a new definition of sin. Go to John 16, verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And you know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he has come, who? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world. He will convict who? He will convict who? The world. He didn't say he will convict the believer. Did you see that? He will convict who? The world. When he said the world, who is he referring to? Unbelievers. People who are not in Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit will convict the world of what? Sin and righteousness and judgment. So when the Holy Spirit when he comes, his work to the worldly people is one, to convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. So what is sin according to Jesus? Verse 9. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Hallelujah. Of sin because they do not believe in me. So according to Jesus, what is sin for us who are not under the law? Refusing to believe in who Christ is and what he came to do. Who is Christ? He's the savior of the world. What did he come to do? To die, to take our place. Die and save us from sin. If you refuse to believe in him, Jesus, so not somebody, Jesus said you have sinned. Amen. So, that makes it very easy, isn't it? How do you overcome sin? How do you overcome sin today? By trying to obey the law or by believing in whom Christ is and what he came to do? Hallelujah. That is a very important question. Because there are two ways you can overcome sin. Either you want to try to make sure you don't break any law of the laws or you want to exercise your faith 
in whom Jesus is and what he came to do. Two things. Amen. But this is what the scripture provides for us in the New Testament. Romans 6 verse 14. Romans 6 14. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. When you give your life to Christ, Bible says you are no longer under the law. Amen. But you are under something else, which is grace. What does the Lord do? It teaches you what is wrong. Grace teaches you how to stop doing what is wrong. Hello? So, Bible says that the law was our school teacher. The law was our tutor to show us who we are, to point us to the Savior. So that when we meet the Savior, we are no more under the law. In Romans 6, 14, it says, you are no longer under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. That is the only way sin will not have dominion over you. So when you see people struggling with sin, the problem is that they are not walking in the grace. They have bound themselves to the law. There is only one way sin will stop having control over you. It's when you take yourself out of the law and put yourself 100% under grace. Amen. Do you know why? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, it said, for the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. In other words, you can never conquer sin with the law because sin derives its strength, its power from the law. So once you bring the law into the picture, you empower sin to prevail over your life. The strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin. Turn to them and tell him the strength of sin is the law. Amen. So what the Bible teaches us is that sin should not have dominion over you because you are no more under the law. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. Now, what is the problem in the church that is worrying people? This is the problem. They tell us that we cannot become children of God by our own good works. Hello? But when I got born again, that's why I was told that you need to give your life to Christ. How many of you have heard that before? That if you become a child of God, give your life to Christ. Become born again. Amen. And that is very good. But the problem with the holiness preaching is that after you have become born, they tell you, practice the law. Hallelujah. So they give you Christ, and then they add the law to it. And that is why sin is so strongly in the church. That's why many of you are struggling. Amen. To avoid the same things you condemn. Amen. The same things you look at people and tell them is wrong, you do it. There was a lady who became pregnant in this church. I said, give birth. Don't abort, give birth. You can go ahead after the child is born, do the other married rights. You made a mistake, but you don't let the child suffer for your mistake. You know what she told me? She said her only problem is that she has been telling her students that it's wrong to do this before marriage. At every week's devotion. Talks to his students. So his only challenge is that the students will be so disappointed. Hallelujah. So he wanted me to organize the wedding to cover up the pregnancy. And I said, we don't do wedding in this church without counseling. Hallelujah. I said, don't make a big deal out of this. Have the child. You made a mistake. God can forgive you, but have the child. And you can have counseling later. She said no. She would rather prefer and go and do the wedding somewhere else cover of the pregnancy. That's what the Lord does to people. It makes you a hypocrite. It makes you a hypocrite. So they took the wedding from this church 
went and did it. I wish you well, but you know in your heart of hearts. Listen, Jesus said, he said, he who has not seen through the first stone, and not one person was able to throw a stone, is because the law, the law can never make anybody righteous. Amen. Grace teaches that you get born again by grace, you keep enjoying salvation by grace. Amen. And anytime anybody is teaching that, the holiness preachers come against them, he's encouraging people to sin. You have to tell them the truth. You have to tell them to stop this. You have to tell them to stop that. You have to tell them to stop that. Hallelujah. Because I'm yet to see anybody who preaches on grace who is not criticized. Until I went to the Bible and saw that Jesus was criticized more. And Apostle Paul was more. Apostle Paul suffered more than all the apostles. And he's the one God used more. Because grace is the only way God can use you. God will never use you for your qualification. Amen. You see more results when you put yourself under grace. You see struggles when you put yourself under personal, you know, self-effort. Amen. But Paul suffered. Suffered. I'll show you more of his sufferings. He was beaten. He, was, he suffered because he preached grace. Turn to the and tell him, never mix the law with grace. It does not work. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, 4 says it. Galatians 5, 4 says that you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. I think these are things we should preach. Amen. You have become estranged. What does it mean to be estranged? Maybe give me NLT. To be estranged means to become an alien, a foreigner. I like that. To become a foreigner to Christ. Listen, there are many born-again Christians in church that are foreigners to Christ. Because the only thing they know Christ for is born again. Look at it. Look at it. I, I want you to see it. He said, for you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law. You have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. That is why we don't see the grace of God in the church. That's why we don't see miracles. We don't see power like Apostle Paul. Is there anybody who did more miracles than Paul? Is there anybody who did more miracles than Jesus? They are the guys who talk about the grace, my brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. The Pharisees never saw any power. Amen. The Pharisees were not powerful guys. They were strugglers, hypocrites, hypocrites. Amen. But the Bible said, when you try to become righteous by keeping the law, you fall from grace. You fall from grace. In other words, grace stops operating the moment the law kicks into action. Grace stops operating the moment the law kicks into action. Grace will stop operating. Amen. Yeah, so how do you overcome sin? I will give you a parable that Jesus gave. Every Sunday, I'll try to give you one parable from Christ. There are many of them. It's amazing we never saw it. Luke 18. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in what? Themselves, that they were righteous. Jesus, he gave a parable, and the parable was very deliberate and focused towards a particular person. And who is that person? People who trusted in what? Themselves that they were righteous. And Jesus said, sin is refusing to believe in Christ. Believing in yourself. Amen. That is sin. And he gave a parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And despise others. 
He gave a parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. Jesus wanted to do an illustration, and he decided to use a tax collector and a Pharisee. Hello? Because the Pharisee fall into one category of people, and the tax collectors fall into another category. Hello? Yeah, so he wanted to illustrate grace by this parable. And he said, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even as that brother in the church, wearing white shirt. Very bad guy. Thank you, I'm not like that. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off will not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In other words, the Pharisee was very confident in his personal effort, his own goodness. The Pharisee was convinced he's righteous based on his own goodness. Are you with me? The Pharisee had trust in his own self-effort that he was righteous. The tax collector came and accepted that he's a sinner and says, Lord, have mercy on me. Now, the word mercy is a Hebrew word that means grace. It means the same thing. It means special kindness. It means the special love of God. It means favor that you don't deserve. Hello? Favor that is given to somebody who doesn't deserve it. So in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, you always see the word mercy which is the Hebrew word hesed. It means tender, special kindness. It's a kind of kindness you don't show to everybody. You show it to people that you consider very special. Hallelujah. But then in the New Testament, you see the word grace. They mean the same thing. Now, in other words, this sinner was asking God for mercy because he's a sinner. What was this task collector doing? He was trying to say, Lord, by my strength, I can't please you. So help me out. By my strength, I can't please you, so help me out. And this is what Jesus said, verse 14. I tell you, look at it. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Jesus said, the sinner, the tax collector who came to the temple and admitted sincerely that he is a sinner, asking God for mercy, he went back home justified. What does it mean to be justified? To be made righteous. He went home righteous. Before God. More than the Pharisee. Because the Pharisee did not acknowledge God in anything he said. He acknowledged his own personal effort and personal goodness. So in overcoming sin, you have to understand something. It is not by your self-effort. It is by the grace of Christ. Amen. I will explain this in Romans 5.19. I want two volunteers to come. Two volunteers. You are not shy. You can stand for a long time. I want to come. Two people. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, so one here, one there. Amen. Give me Romans 5.19. I want to do an illustration. All right. He said, for us by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Hallelujah. Let's take it that this lady represents an unbeliever. And this man represents a born-again Christian. Okay, this person has not given his life to Christ. Is he a sinner or not a sinner? He's a sinner. Is he a sinner because he does bad things? He's a sinner because what? He has not given his life to Christ. So he's a sinner. If this lady begins to do good things, does that make her righteous? Still, 
She stopped all the bad things she's been doing. She stopped drinking. She stopped all the bad things she gives in church. Is she righteous? She's not righteous. Why? Because she has not given her life to Christ. So what made this girl a sinner? Is it the things she did? What made her a sinner? She was born into sin. Hello? She was what? Born into sin. All right. This man has given his life to Christ. Genuinely. Is he a sinner? Is he righteous? Hello? Is he righteous? He's righteous. Because he has given his life to Christ. He's not a sinner again. Is that what you are saying? He's not a sinner again. Now, is he righteous because he has stopped doing bad things? Hallelujah. Is he righteous because he has stopped doing bad things? He's righteous. Why? Because he gave his life to Christ. So this man has given his life to Christ. If he does bad things, is, is he righteous? Are you sure? Are you, are you confused? No. Let's start here again. Listen. This lady has not given her life to Christ. Is she a sinner? Is she a sinner? If she does good things, does that make her righteous? No. Does that make her righteous? It doesn't make her righteous. If doing good things make people righteous, then Jesus doesn't need to come and die. The reason why Jesus came to die is that nobody could please God by doing good. Amen. Nobody could please God by doing good things. Because no matter how good you try to do, Jesus said God's standard of righteousness is very high. Hello? Yeah. Jesus said God's standard of righteousness is like that. The law says don't kill. But even if you hate people, it's murder. Hallelujah. The law says don't commit adultery. But even if you lust after a woman once in your lifetime, not many times, just once in your lifetime, you are an adulterer. Can you try it? Hallelujah. The law says an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But Jesus said, if you want to please God, somebody slaps you, let him slap the second time. Amen. So Jesus said, if you have not given your life to Christ, you are a sinner, not because of the bad things you did, but because you are born into sin. Amen. So this person, just for an illustration, is a sinner because she hasn't given her life to Christ. Are you, are you with me? Even if in the course of life she stops doing bad things, she's still a sinner. Her good deeds will never make her righteous until the day she moves from here to here and say, I've given my life to Christ. Now, my question is, if doing good things here does not make somebody righteous, why should doing bad things over here make somebody sinner? What is the logic? Hallelujah. But if you follow the law... The law says, get born again, give your life to Christ, then you become a child of God, righteous. But if you break the law, you have sinned. But Jesus never taught that. Jesus never taught that. Jesus said, when you get here, you fall into sin when you stop believing in my finished work. And you start trusting in your own good efforts. When you are here, you sin anytime you brag about your goodness. You sin. Hello? When you are here, you sin when you stop believing in what Jesus did for you. Hello? And what he is still doing for you. Amen. Is, is it hard to understand? 
Is it hard to understand? So in the New Testament, righteousness is by faith in the finished work of Christ. And I'm going to break that down because it sounds very rhetoric. Righteousness is by what? Faith in the finished work of Christ. Amen. Now let me say it better. Righteousness is by the grace of God. But you contact that grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. Amen. And the scripture is very popular. Ephesians 2.8. It says, who can quote it? It says, for by grace we are saved through faith. Yeah. So how do you contact the grace of Christ? Faith in him. Hello? Not faith in yourself. Faith in him. Someone say faith in Christ. Releases the grace. Say it one more time. Faith in Christ. Releases the grace. Anytime you release your faith in Christ, you receive the grace. He said, for of his fullness have we all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. But that grace comes when you believe in Christ. Bible said, if you shall confess with you, I'll come to that. Amen. By grace, you are saved through faith. Now, listen. The subject for today is what? How to overcome sin by the grace of Christ. Amen. Now, I'm saying that you can never overcome sin through the law. You overcome sin by the grace of Christ. How do you assess that grace? How does that grace work in taking you out of sin? By faith in the finished work of Christ. And that's the scripture here. It says, for by grace you are saved through what? Faith. Through faith. Amen. Through faith. All right. I'll read two scriptures. All right. So the next scripture we want to read is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Can we read verse 20 and 21? Now, I want everybody to read this. 20, 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for the law. For who? For Christ. That means that we are representatives of who? Christ. When people see us, they must see what? Or should they see the law? They must see what? Christ. Amen. Moses came with the law. Jesus came with what? Grace. So when people see you, they must see who? Christ. And when they see Christ, they must see the grace. They must see the grace of God at work. Amen. Like Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.